Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So you have all this open space, and when you have quiet, and you have open space, and you don't have a lot of people around, that's when the quiet things can be a little more loud. UFOs, cryptids, ghosts. This might be the biggest concentration of paranormal activity I've ever seen. What the hell's going on out there? We're on our way to Anza Borrego State Park. There's all sorts of activity that's taking place in this area. And I heard three footsteps come towards me. It's coming at me. There's definitely magic out here, and it's not all good. It was just standing upright, just staring at us. There really are these things out there. Ghostly activity can can change temperatures. There's always stuff going on in Anza that you can't explain. And then it flashed out of the sky. Straight ahead. It was sounded like a sound. They described it as a monster. Upright on two legs. There were so many bodies that kept turning up, like unnaturally. Even the police were searching everything out there. Now what is going on? This is a place where you are close to the natural, and you're even closer to the supernatural. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. I have two very special guests for you guys, and they are Dave Flora, and we also have Derek Hayes, the filmmakers of Shadows in the Desert, High Strangeness in the Borrego Triangle. Guys, congratulations, first and foremost, on the film. Uh, It's going to be premiering in California very soon, but uh, I can't wait to dig into this with you guys tonight. So first of all, thank you for joining me. Well, thanks for having us. Thank you. Ooh, that was creepy. That was like yeah. perfectly in yeah. unison. We worked together so well. <laughs> this is how we got this thing done. Yeah. Oh, man. That was like perfect shining twins right there. <laughs> creepy, creepy. I love it. Well, hey, you guys work together a lot. That's kind of my first question for you, actually. Before we dive into this brand new film that you guys came out with, um, how did you two meet? I've never really gotten the origin story on on how two of my favorite podcast hosts eventually started working together. So, uh, Derek, let's start with you, man. How did you guys meet? And uh, what made you want to work together on this project? Sure. Uh, I actually met David in my garage years ago, listening to Blurry Photos. Uh, You know, I was a tinkerer. I worked on motorcycles and campers and that kind of thing before I did podcasting. And I would listen to everything, uh, including your show, Ryan. And uh, 
David's stuff just stuck to me. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. So then I kind of started the show and I started getting talking to all these people and I'm like, I'm going to hunt this David guy out. And we started, you know, doing guest hosts and that kind of thing together. And I, I don't know where it went from there, David. It just kind of snowballed at that point, didn't it? I think so. You were on an episode of Blurry Photos, um, just uh, kind of talking weird news and things like that and your show. And then um, we finally met in person at Mothman Festival. That's right. Yeah. That was like 2017. 17, yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. 2017. Awesome. Well, for our members of the audience, again, who may not know, guys, um, tell us a little about each of your podcasts, if you don't mind. Derek, what is Monsters Among Us? Well, MAU is a call-in show uh, about monsters, but not specifically monsters, anything paranormal, uh, you know, ghosts, UFOs, aliens, uh, ESP, anything strange and unusual that someone's experienced, they call it in, they leave their story in the form of a voicemail, and then I kind of just rifle through them and, and pull out what I want to play, and uh, we talk about it, we compare stories, we play some older stories that kind of correlate to what's going on, uh, we have a good time there. It is. It's a really good time. I, I've spent many a nights not sleeping because of it, man. So thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that's, that. That's the goal right there. <laughs> that is always the goal. I know. It, actually, uh, with me, it's the opposite. I, I apparently put people to sleep. That, that's somewhere in the I've sky. I've been accused of that myself. Yeah, there's. Yeah. You can you can buy stuff on my Patreon. It's a sleep aid. Basically, me reading things, then people fall asleep to it. So. It's like a really own. good uh, ASM, right? That's, yeah. what exactly. That's what it is. <laughs> Dave, tell us a little about Blurry Photos, man. Yeah, Blurry Photos has been going on since 2012, and it's evolved in that uh, time frame. We started out, I had a, a co-host, Dave Stecco, and we would talk about these weird topics, you know, in this world we live in here. And it, we had a more comedic bent on it, and then he left the show in about 2017, and I took over solo doing it, and I've I've kind of morphed it more into a deep dive, really analytical and kind of academic um, look at a lot of these topics. And so that's what I like to do is really get to the nitty gritty of stuff, find all the old sources, and track everything down. My last episode I did. It's it's been a while. I've been kind of uh, busy with some a lot of other things here, but um, the last episode I did was a, a deep dive on the history of the devil, and so I talked about like all the um, appearances that the devil has gone through, the names, um, biblical history, comparative mythology, things like that. So that's the kind of stuff I'm rolling with here. That's really cool, man. And you said sidetracked. I have to mention our mutual friends all here. Um, Hysteria 51. How did yeah. that come about? How did you start working <laughs> with Brent over there at Hysteria 51? Right. Brent, uh, Brent and I um, met up in Chicago. We, we were both living in Chicago uh, at the time. And, you know, we had done a couple of guest spots on each other's show. Well, he kind of had a similar situation. His co-host uh, left to pursue other things. And he was like, why don't you come co-host with me? And I was like, eh, eh, you know, I got a lot of stuff going on. And finally, um, I was like, okay, Brent, um, let, let's do it. Like, I'll just, uh, you know, with some caveats, <laughs> like, I'll come on and uh, co-host with you. So, yeah, we've been co-hosting uh, Hysteria 51 for a while. <laughs> and um, uh, I also started a trivia podcast with my wife called Quiz Quiz Bang Bang. And then just a few months ago, I started a fourth one called Five Minute Frights, which is uh, – the author Tom Lyons, who has written the Living Among Bigfoot series, 
uh, he he wanted to do a podcast, and I'm narrating just like five minute little stories that he sends me. So yeah, I'm doing a couple things. <laughs> I'd say so, man. Making us all feel lazy. lazy. He's so lazy. He doesn't do anything all day. Just sits around. Not at all. God. Well, okay. Well, I mean, the obvious first question when uh, someone comes out with a new film is, how did the film come to be? What made you guys decide that you wanted to tackle this this triangle out in the deserts of uh, California? I find this absolutely fascinating um yeah whoever wants to take that what made you want to cover the borrego triangle well i guess it started with me uh my wife sarah and i we would go camping we camp all over california and uh one of those locations we would go to is borrego springs and borrego desert state park and every time i would go there i would hear these legends you know the people would talk about it i'd see a couple things here and there about ghosts ufos even bigfoot that lived in that area so, you know, like I do everywhere else, I was looking for books, I was looking for uh, documentaries, newspaper articles, anything that really, you know, kind of talked about this area and the strange activity that's going on there. And to my surprise, there really wasn't much out there. So I kind of got the idea, like, well, you know, if it's not out there, why don't, why don't I start something? Why don't I put something together? And then I quickly realized it was in way over my head. And that's when I gave a call to David and I said, you know, what are you doing this summer? You want to shoot a movie? And four years later, here we are finally releasing it and uh, still talking about it. Yeah, wow. he, had, uh, he had put the bug in my ear about uh, the Borrego Sandman. Um, and that was for one of my miscrypted contests one year. I had him in there. And um, it was it, it let me kind of dig into that legend, which started out uh, kind of, you know, with stories there. But there was a Desert Magazine article in, I think, 1965, was it? July of 64, I believe it is. 64. So um, it was it was an article about someone who had uh, said he had a, a, an encounter out there uh, and had a plaster cast of feet and stuff like that. And, um, and then from there, when you start looking into that area, stuff just starts falling on you. Like ghost stories, UFO encounters, cryptids, all kinds of weird uh, anomalous things and we started putting them on a map like where is this stuff and it it made this kind of weird triangle out there in southern california so yeah it was fun yeah yeah Yeah, and all the cool places have to be called the triangle so right of course choice right (laughs) of course the borrego rhombus just didn't have (laughs) the same feel doesn't look as good on a poster yeah i could definitely (laughs) could definitely see that um well, you mentioned, you mentioned Derek, four years, man. That is blood, yeah. sweat, tears, patience. I've been there. I know what it's like. Um, so to talk about that angle to all this, the research process, what was that like? Like you guys mentioned, it was hard to find stuff at first, but then slowly but surely uh, you get the people that you eventually got in the film. And full disclosure, uh, My Ugly Mug makes a couple appearances in it as well, which we'll get to. But um, what was that research process like? How did you find the actual witnesses and and people who actually live out there and, and experience the stuff that we're going to be talking about tonight? What was that like? 
Well, I think we got kind of, I hate to say lucky, but we sort of did with COVID because it, it kind of put us on the shelf for a year and a half. So mm -hmm. for, for that period of time, we're just sitting there reading books. We're talking to people, putting feelers out. And what I did on my side, and I can't speak for David, but you know, on my show, I, I put a blast out. Anybody from this area has any stories, get a hold of us. And we received several dozen stories that way. Uh, and then we started digging in the old newspaper reports. Um, you know, if you dig deep enough, there is stuff out there. Uh, you just have to know where to look for it. So eventually we were, we were able to collect a decent amount of information on that. Right, David? That's right. Yeah, we um, we found different books here and there. And it was a lot of things like San Diego ghost stories, um, ghost stories of, you know, Southern California. And then it'll have like one little part or story in there about Anza Borrego. Uh, and we kind of collected all those, pieced them together. Um, I remember emailing a ton of um, educators and, and professors and things like that saying, Hey, we're, we're looking into things like quartz out here. Um, you're a geologist. Can you, can you come on and speak to us about that? And, you know, people would be like, Oh, I'm interested. What's this for? And you're like, well, we're putting a paranormal documentary together. And then it's just like tumbleweed. And so <laughs> we had our fair share of people say, you know, like, Oh, what is it? Okay. No, I'm not doing it. Um, or just never reply or anything. So we did really get lucky. Um, and our producer, Roxanne, helped out a lot too because she called around different groups in the area. There was one in Anza that met up and, and talked about UFOs and had you know night watches and things like that. Um, got to do one of those with them. And then um, uh, we ended up with um, uh, a fella of the um, Santa Rosa... Uh, band of Kuwia Indians out there um, who told us, I, I sat with him for an hour just talking about this stuff. He had a couple of encounters he shared, talked about, you know, the uh, pictographs are a big thing out there and um, just the energy of the place. It was, it was amazing. So yeah, we just kind of lucked out. We knew where we wanted to go with some of the stuff and we just threw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and whatever stuck but pretty much made it into the film. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. kind of nice out there that you, once you got going, the path was right in front of you. You just had to follow lead, the lead, the lead. Yeah. And it, we kind of, like for, for uh, Bigfoot or the Sandman, as they call him out there, for example, uh, you know, we started with some contemporary reports and worked our way backwards to the mid-1880s, I believe, mm -hmm. some of these articles. Newspaper went back accounts, to, so, yeah. Uh, you know, once you get started, you just follow the breadcrumbs and, and it takes you back to... I don't know if about the truth, but it takes you back to something. Right. Well, and you guys, you know, you're mentioning ghosts and UFOs and cryptids and the indigenous people. Um, I kind of want to tackle each of those uh, briefly with you. But um, I guess let's kind of paint a picture for the audience. What exactly? I didn't, I, I didn't even ask this earlier. What is the Borrego Triangle? What is it comprised of? Um, and... Yeah, yeah, maybe give us a little more geographical uh, perspective on that, if you don't mind, whoever wants to take that. We're you can start really fighting over that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the triangle, it's massive, I'll, I'll be honest, but everything in that part of the world is. Uh, you know, every, distances are, are vast, they're huge. So the triangle is quite large. It stretches from Hemet all the way in the north, all the way east to the Salton Sea, the shore there, and then down to the Mexican border around. Uh, what Acatillo down in that area down there. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a pretty large triangle. Springs. 
that and it's not just the desert that's what a lot of people think oh it's just you know wasteland desert half of it is but the other half is high mountains you know a mile up into the air there's pine trees there's running water there's forests uh, so it, it's a it's a diverse area that's full of uh, different wildlife, uh, different sorts of people, even different uh, cultures uh, in the past, and then different cultures now. I would uh, dare to say, and uh, just tons of strange activity. Like we said earlier, just that area seems to be inundated with something unusual. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I think that 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 gives us a better idea of what we're dealing with. Like this isn't just you know the Nevada desert, just you know yeah. plain desert with triangles flying all around like there's a lot going on in this well, there's area. that there's that happening as well yeah there's there that are well. triangles flying around <laughs> yes. definitely yeah that's a big part of it but did we one of the things we wanted to do with the film is showcase the area because mm-hmm. it is gorgeous because there's so many different things it's so weird in some spots uh we drove across san andreas fault you know a couple times it's running right through there um so you've got the weird sandstone wind carved uh terrain canyons where it's mud makes up you know the the walls of everything then you've got like uh Derek was saying places like Julian and Warner Springs where you get higher and it's more green and kind of brushy and scrubby and um it's there's so many gorgeous locations we were finding that it took an hour and a half to get to our next like filming spot, but it would take longer because we'd stop in the middle of it a couple times to film the landscape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It you just amazing. come around the corner and every, get on the walkie. Everybody stop. We got to shoot here. Like It <laughs> wasn't planned. We didn't have no. time for it, but it was just so beautiful that you know we had to shoot. I've been there, man. I know that feeling. Like You will give up something else to uh, to get, those, get that B-roll, as it were, for sure. Um, exactly. Well... Okay, so let's start with Supernatural. Um, I'd love to kind of hit each of these anomalous um, uh, phenomena that, that seem to be happening there. So in terms of the Supernatural, uh, is there one story you guys can kind of tease to us? We won't give away everything in the film, obviously, but I uh, want people to see it. But um, yeah, did was there any Supernatural stories that really stuck out to you guys? that you covered while you were out there. Yeah, I can, I can relate one to you. Um, there was uh, a, quite a few of the supernatural ghost stories out there come from the old West. Um, this is, you know, 1850s onward because it was, it wasn't a very populated area, even up until the, I think 1920s and thirties is when they really started developing the area. Um, And so what they would do is because they had to get a lot of stuff from Arizona to California uh, and L.A. and that area in San Diego, they would cut a path through this valley there um, and they would kind of stop at different springs that either they would find or try and in some cases create. So there's one that um, uh, this mule train run by a fellow named Ball um, was coming through and they made this place at a place called Yaqui. And that's named after the Yaqui Native American um, people that lived there. And I think he had guides that were Native Americans that dug a well in this spot. And that was one of the spots on this mule train that they um, um, they were using to go through there. Anyways, 
a few years, you know, after that had been dug, they had um, there there was this well there, and there was these three. They say immigrants. Um, it could have been just a few guys, uh, you know, south of the border that were coming up to LA and um, maybe on up into San Francisco at the time, the gold rush. Um, other other stories say they were brothers, but it, anyway, there were three of them, and they came up and they found this watering hole. Now they've been wandering through the desert for you know days and just finding nothing out there and they finally see this well and um it's it it, at the time it wasn't even like you would think a stone well would be it was basically a, a watering hole for horses and they they just bolted for it and they just started gulping water out of it and that is uh that is a bad idea to do when you're really dehydrated because it causes your cells to swell really quickly. And that can cause uh, hemorrhaging in the brain and um, death pretty easily. And that's what happened to one of them right after they drank the water. And then the other two saw something uh, in the guy's pot where they, they were rifling through, you know, looting the the corpse as it were. And um, they pulled out a gold nugget. And I don't know if they didn't know that the guy had it or what, but those two started fighting each other over that gold nugget, the two that were left. And one of them killed the other, took the gold and ran off into the desert. And he was never seen again. So it's, so it goes. But now they say that that spot is haunted by the ghosts of these three uh, brothers that fought each other over gold. And, you know, they say that sometimes you can, still see the outlines of them fighting in this area and it's really creepy so we we went to this spot to yaki well and we uh we talk about the story in the film and we did a nighttime investigation of the area had some um emf meters and um heat uh, thermal thermal cameras cameras and imaging and things like that and it was uh it was a lot of fun the wild thing about it to me was the place where the, the well was uh, as compared to about 10 feet away from it was much cooler in that spot. And you can see it on the, the thermal gun that we have. And that was, that was really fun. I don't know if that's indicative of anything other than, you know, just a kind of a sink in the ground, but um, that, that was something that was a, a really cool observation that we were able to make. It was like a 10 to 15 degree difference too. It wasn't subtle either. Mm-hmm. You oh, could wow. feel it. You could like walk yeah. into it. Yeah, that's so a interesting. Perfect, a perfect little circle right there is really strange, huh? Yeah, and well, and I think that's another big thing about the film too is you guys are out there. This isn't just something you're talking about and throwing some talking heads up and giving us a history lesson. Like you actually went to these locations and and attempted some investigation. So that was really cool and and refreshing to see. Um, that story did really stick out to me for sure um you can imagine the desperation back during the gold rush and how many spirits were probably left behind there for all different reasons so um yeah that one that one definitely stuck with me as well um derek i want to ask you man um you know a lot of this came from the idea of uh what you guys uh have said is the the sandman that's out there 
um, these monsters, as it were, or these even cryptids. And these are also reported within the triangle as well. So um, I w- I'd love to move on to actually the cryptid kind of part of all of this and get your thoughts on um, on that side of all this. What you guys investigated in terms of cryptids out there and uh, possibly maybe some of the connections it might have with the indigenous people. Is that something you can uh, you can comment on? The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is free to listen to every week. But if you would like to help support the show, we have a very active Patreon page where you give what you think the show is worth. In return, you'll get early access to the main show, bonus episodes, and priority to ask our guests your listener questions. Your support truly makes the show continue and grow. So to learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Uh, yeah, like like you said, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call him, Sandman out there, uh, he's pretty prominent. There's all sorts of, I guess, reports from different areas of the park. There's a few from the low desert areas. Uh, the magazine, the Desert Magazine article that David spoke of, that sighting took place in the lower lands down in the uh, desert portion. But a majority of them take place around an area called Warner Springs, which is up near uh, Julian, up in that area. It's about a mile 4,000 feet up, something like that. So it's green, it's lush, uh, there's trees and everything. And we get so many reports from that area. And back in the, I don't have the numbers in front of me, I apologize, but back in the 1880s, there was a flap of uh, disappearances around this certain area up in there. They called it uh, Dead Man Hole because of all these people that would come up missing there. They would find bodies from time to time and, and their belongings would still be on them. They'd still have their cash, they'd still have their pocket watch and everything. So they didn't think it was a robbery or anything like that. And then at some point, finally, people started to see this creature, this monster up at Dead Man's Hole. And uh, at a certain point, these fellows went after it, and they tracked it up into the mountains and into this cave. And I guess they they 
killed the creature and hauled it back to San Diego for examination. And that's sort of where we lose the trail as to what's happening there. There's some uh, discrepancy of whether or not this is a true story or if this is some sensationalized thing. But uh, it's just the tip of the iceberg. We talk to people that have seen things out there. And Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Sandman, it's it's not the only thing out there. There are other reports of uh, dogman-type creatures. There's these glowing beans of light. Uh, they kind of remind me of a gray alien, except for their skin glows. Uh, there's another story of a eight foot skeleton with a lantern lodged in his chest. So there's all sorts of crazy stuff out there that's, that kind of falls within the cryptid realm. Uh, some of it a little more fringe than others, but uh, it certainly seems to be a hot spot out there of, of some sort with that activity. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Dave, do you have anything to add to the cryptid angle to all this? Anything you really found memorable while you guys were out there researching and investigating? You know, when we when we first went out there to shoot the trailer for this, for the Kickstarter, um, we went into the uh, Arroyo Tapiato mud caves. And that was what I was talking about. It has these canyons of mud wall. Um, what it, it's, it's not rock. It's just dried mud and super dangerous. You can see all the cracks and everything. And with all the earthquakes out there, you know, we were both kind of like, how far spooky. down in here should we go? Spooky. <laughs> um, but we just, the, the one spot we picked to get out and, and investigate, we saw all kinds of um, tracks of animals. And uh, we're thinking things like coyotes and um, mountain lions, uh, those kind of tracks and things. Didn't see any, you know, feet that were large, but... Um, uh, it would be an easy place to leave tracks because the sand is so soft around there and they don't get hardly any rain. So, you know, it doesn't wash away. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, and the people that we talk to, the majority of the, the people that we um, have in the film have some kind of Bigfoot or cryptid story seeing it. There's one that crosses the street and one that, you know, a dude's out just kind of, enjoying himself and hears like crashing thuds and footsteps coming towards and things like that. It's so it, it's, it's kind of the last place you think a Bigfoot would be, <laughs> but we also talked to a biologist who was telling us about how you can get food out there and how animals do survive. And if you migrate to the mountains in the summer and come back down to the desert in the winter, it's feasible. And that's the unique thing about this area is that you do have that opportunity in the winter time. You can go down to the low desert. It's 60 degrees down there. There's plants blooming, you know, there's, there's life while, you know, in the mountains in the wintertime, it's snowy, there's feet of snow on the ground. And then in the summertime, it's kind of reversed. You can go up to the mountains, there's running water, there's plants while the desert's essentially being baked and it's, it's inhospitable at that point. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that definitely stood out to me too. Is like just the uh, the differentiation of uh, weather conditions out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, one minute you guys said it's like sixty five degrees, you're out there. The next, it's like a hundred and ten out, and I could tell, man, you guys were <laughs> sweating your 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 butts off out there. And I was just so happy that I was in my my Scotland apartment where it was like fifty <laughs> degrees while I was watching this. I can't even imagine. What it was, was 119 like at one point while we were oh. out shooting. Oh I, th I think that's the, the hottest it got for us. 
Ah, that's crazy. God bless you and guys. I don't think we that. had a single day under 105, no. something like that. Yeah, every day no. was above 105. And, you know, we, we, we tried to get up early to do stuff. That's a tall order. But uh, <laughs> when we finally got out there, I mean, you know, it you have to shoot in daylight. And that's that was 100 uh, coming and going. So, yeah, it's it was crazy, but it was fun. When you need it's a fun, rag man. to open your door on your yeah. car, then you know it's hot. <laughs> yeah, you can't, I would you say can't so. touch I mean, the paint. Yeah. We we got bit um, by the the heat. Uh, our initial Kickstarter trailer shoot, we were out there, and this was what October, Derek. Yeah, October of eighteen. I want to say something like I that. Think. Yeah, and um, wow. we we were out there running around trying to find uh, some of the pictographs. And spent, you know, a couple hours just boulder hopping and, and running around in the desert. And it was pleasant. The wind was nice, you know. It was hot, but it wasn't unbearable. Well, we get back to um, town, to base, and we go to dinner and none of us can eat. We're just kind of sitting there, thousand-yard stare. <laughs> and we get back to the campsite and, like, Derek pukes and I'm just zoned out and... And then oh, we man. just kind of rally and do a, a video for the Kickstarter saying, hey, can we have your money? <laughs> the things like, you'll oh. do. Wow. Well, hey, I mean, it's dangerous out there. You guys yes. mentioned that several times in the film, you know, whether it's the heat or, or the scavengers that may be out there or going on property that's not yours. Like that that could always <laughs> be a risk too out there. Um, You've got military activity. You've got everything out there. So I... I can understand why this probably wasn't by any stretch of the imagination an easy film to make. Um, I want to get to the coup de gras, why I love the movie, and that's, of course, UFOs. And there was some interesting stuff that happened while you guys were out there. Um, we'll leave it to the audience to see the film, to see... Uh, you guys weren't exactly alone when you were out there interviewing people about UFOs and and in even looking for them. So, uh, yeah, we'll leave that for the viewers to see. But um, tell us a little about the UFO angle to all of this, if you don't mind. Um, what has been reported out there? And, um, yeah, what's some of the, uh, the, the most compelling reports you guys came, came about when it comes to the uh, UFO phenomenon? Well, some of the uh, shapes or your categories of, of UFO that we've had reported a lot out there, of course, the black triangles. We had a few witnesses that reported those all throughout the desert, not just uh, in our particular area. But uh, some strange lights, of course, you get that everywhere. Uh, biological UFOs. We had one witness that saw something that I think it looks like a meatball, honestly, but it was flying <laughs> through the sky. And uh, the ironic thing about that is that jets, uh, military jets, showed up moments after it, it kind of exited the area. So there was some sort of connection going on there. Uh, there's a, a daylight UFO that takes place out there called Goldie. You see it uh, during the day uh, flying around the mountains down there. Uh, all kinds of strange stuff. And, and, and like Ryan said, the military, there was a, a huge military presence out there. Everywhere you turned, there was a helicopter, or there was a jet, or there was some sort of activity going on there. So, uh, David, help me out. What am I missing with the, with the UFOs here? With the, with the military presence and stuff, there were a couple times they circled us specifically and got real close. Um, one of them, I, I don't know if it was for us, but we were in, I think, um, Akatia Wells. And one of them landed in 
somewhere in town. It was probably 200 yards from where we were filming. Um, so there's definitely a, a presence and, um, there are several military bases around there, but there were also, I mean, why did they care about us? <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like they did though, didn't it? It did. There were several times in that one time we got out and tried filming them and they, they just like, they were like, in like, yeah. we were like, Oh, okay. Well, they got real low on us and we're circling. We're on. the only things within 20, 30 miles. So it had to have yeah. been us, but uh, it's it it freaky. It's that, really um, weird. The one good story that kind of toes the line between supernatural and UFOs was the, the lights of Carrizo Gorge and the Goat Canyon trestle. That was a fun one. Oh, yeah. too and we didn't go out to the uh trestle itself because it's like an eight mile hike and it's illegal <laughs> so what what is that story you would is that something you could share with us um i'll give you a teaser because it's a good one yeah give there, us a little but, teaser um, yeah that it when they were building the um the the railroad they call it the impossible railroad right Derek? yeah yeah. Um, because it goes through these canyons and this awful, awful terrain down there. Um, and when they were building it, there were several reports of workers dying and um, kind of going a little crazy. And there were they at one point, I think they got the Pinkertons involved to see what was going on exactly. But people were would sometimes say they would see lights traveling down the the railroad. And there was nothing attached to them. It was just kind of a floating ball of light. And um, there's a story of a, a train conductor seeing that at one point and throwing on the brakes and then, you know, calamity and stuff. So, and I'll, I'll leave it at that, but that's another fun one. That one of the our bigger stories in there that was a lot of fun to research. Yeah, that one was pretty powerful uh, for anyone who... who... It's to see the film that that one packs a punch for sure. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the production aspect to all of this. Um, maybe could you mention a couple of the people who you got to interview in the film? I, I noticed some familiar faces, some new faces in there I've never really seen. But um, yeah, who are some of the the quote unquote researchers and, and experts that you guys spoke to in the film? Well, we got pretty lucky. We got you, obviously. Uh, you're you're in the film uh, talking about UFOs and all that stuff toward the end there. Uh, we had the guys from Bigfoot Collectors Club, a big fan of, of their show, uh, Bryce and Michael uh, from over there. We had Sapphire Sandalo, a good friend of mine. She's on. Uh, and then we had a lot of experts. We had um, Bruce was our biologist, who is actually a desert biologist. He lives in Utah, but he still lives in the desert. So he really knows his stuff as far as that's concerned. Um who else do we have, David? We had Jim uh, Dice. Jim was Dice. Our... He was our local plant expert uh, there in, yeah. in oh, the cool. Borrego area. So we thought that was important to get kind of insight. Is there enough food for something to live out there? You know, we're talking about all these cryptids. So we wanted to find out, you know, is there actually cover? Is there water? Is there food? Is there a way for these things to survive? And to my surprise, and probably David's as well, the answer was yes uh, from yeah. these biologists. So that was that was pretty enlightening i don't know if that means that sasquatch is out there but it certainly uh influenced my opinion a little bit i would say uh, at the very least yeah christy you, ferguson you... was a geologist that we got to talk yes. about oh yes quartz. yes christy yes yeah because yep. quartz is huge out there and you know it's come out in recent years how a lot of areas where there's activity and stuff correlates with a lot of quartz in the area so i wanted to talk to her about uh 
um, what she thought and, and throw out some ideas of how um, courts could play into some of these stories scientifically. Um, and then we, there was a desert museum down there in Akatio yeah, yeah. that we visited and talked about some of the, uh, uh, how they made the pictographs um, from the native American cultures and stuff. Of course I said, uh, Tony Largo from the Kawia. Um, We're forgetting somebody very important, David. Oh, oh. <laughs> Ken Lane, the voice forget? of the desert. <laughs> oh my one gosh, my, Desert one Oracle, of my baby. favorite yeah. podcast is Desert Oracle. And just on a whim, I'm, I reached out. I'm like, if we're doing a film in the desert of California, we have to have Ken Lane in the film. <laughs> yeah. So I reached out, and to my surprise, he's like, I'll be there. And he was. And uh, I'll tell you amazing. what, he was, he was our very first shoot. That was the very yeah. first thing we did on the official shoot. And I think we were all a little nervous. We're all kind of giving each other glances, like, who's in charge? What's going on here? Like, this is kind of a mess. <laughs> and then Ken sits down and starts talking, and suddenly all my fears are alleviated. I'm like, we can make a movie just on Ken talking. Like, yeah. that's all we have to do. So he took a ton of pressure off of us just by coming in and telling these amazing stories. The way he delivers this stuff is, is brilliant. Um, so I was really happy to have him on board. Yeah, I was uh, fanboying out when he showed up. It was it was good to finally put a face to that that desert voice that we all know so well. Um, and you're right. I think just he kind of was the through line uh, throughout yeah. the whole film and kind of tied everything together. Um, which is kind of where I wanna I wanna um, start to wrap things up with you guys is uh, tying this all together. You know, we we have all these different compartmentalized communities out there: the UFO community. Bigfoot, Supernatural, um, and it's rare for them to kind of intersect and have these discussions like we are today and like you had in your film and at this event, Anomicon. That was kind of my goal was to bring voices from each of these research communities together and see, could this all somehow be connected? And when it comes to the Borrego Triangle, it, it seems that the further you zoom back, the more it looks like it possibly could be. So I'd love to get both of your thoughts on that aspect of all of this. Do you think all of this could be connected? I mean, is this Sandman coming in on a UFO and disappearing because it's a, it's a ghost? Like, uh, I don't know, Dave, let's go with you first, man. Um, your theories on, is any of this connected or are we just too, you know, going too out on our limb with that? Boy, I, I, it's, it's tempting to, to, um, to connect it with some wild speculation on there. But if, if it is connected, then it's because the area has some kind of energy about it. It's connecting things like you said, that are completely disparate from each other. Uh, but because of the area, it fosters all of them together. Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I would sure. say it, it would be the, the area itself, as opposed to any of the, you know, phenom like a, a UFO is dropping off some Bigfoot while it's also like killing people and, and leaving their souls behind or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that happens all the time. All yeah, the you time. know, that, that old chestnut. That's the yeah. MO. Yep, yep. Derek, what do you think, man? Well, you know, I don't know if it's connected, but it, it occurred to us very quickly that it might be because of the history of the area. Uh, because it's the desert, things don't rot, things don't disintegrate, and there's tons of. Uh, artifacts uh, remaining, and and most of those are in the the form of petroglyphs, petrographs, that sort of thing, uh, writing on on rocks essentially. 
And as we started researching all this stuff, that was one of the things we hit heavy. And we started to realize that there's pictures that look like Sasquatch. There's pictures that look like UFOs. You know, there's all these things that kind of tie into the legends that still exist in this area. And it kind of gives, at least me, I can't speak for the artist or anyone else, you know, looking at it, but it kind of gives me the feeling that they were experiencing the same things that people experience today. And that's their way of depicting them. So there was some sort of tie in there. I don't know how it all ties together, but there was certainly some tie in with history as far as that's concerned. So uh, a little bit of credence, I guess, was was lent to it because of this artwork that's that's left behind. It it, it goes to uh, it, it speaks to the longevity of whatever you know. If there yeah. is something happening, it's been happening for a long time. It's not just because you know we moved in there or something. Um, right. But uh, a quick note too on on that, we always like to point out for uh, anybody who goes you know legend tripping with this stuff, please respect the petroglyphs and. Don't touch anything. Just look, you know, take a picture if you want, but but leave it as it is. Um, that's one of the big things we try to push in the film and tell everybody when we're talking about these things. It's history and it's, you know, people's culture. So just leave it, leave it be and enjoy the look of it. And there are massive finds if you, yeah. if you don't as well. So there's always that. Yeah, there's that too. You're <laughs> right, man. Like that stuff is so sensitive. I've been to, you know, petroglyphs in Arizona, uh, a few other places. And, and you can tell, and I was up there with a Zuni tribe elder, actually kind of, he was interpreting them for me. And, uh, it was clear that some kids had been up there and were messing around with some of it. And you could just see, you know, the, the, the hurt in this elder's heart is visible on his face to see that, like his history be literally, you know, scribbled away on these, these ancient rocks. Um, so you're right. Um, anyone, <laughs> public service announcement from the three of us, if you're out there investigating UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, anything, um, just be respectful of the property you're at and, and the history behind it and the, the people who live there and, and everything in between. I think that's a, a great lesson and you, it did come across in the film, uh, well for said. sure. Um, well, to kind of wrap things up, guys, what do you hope people will take away from the film? Um, what What do you hope the audience will come away thinking after they see Shadows in the Desert? Der- Derek, let's start with you, man. Well, my personal goal here is to actually get people out there. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize this place exists. It's really mm-hmm. cool. There's some really cool areas there. Uh, it's accessible. It's it's free for the most part. You can go there and investigate if you want to. You can even camp, I think, anywhere you want within the park as long as you follow a few simple uh, guidelines and rules, but uh, it's a place where all this activity takes place, and it's also a place where you can actually go investigate, visit. So there's no reason for people to you know watch this film and then just sit on their thumbs. They should go out there and, and find out if this is real on their own. I, I want people to go to this area and, and experience it for themselves. Love it, Dave. How about you, man? My takeaway is so you know I approach things uh, skeptically, asking questions at first and seeing you know what shakes out in the end. And uh, coming out of this, and what I think the audience can take away is that um, you you shouldn't prejudge anything because you know, like I said, this area doesn't seem conducive to um, at least cryptid activity, things like that, or, or Sasquatch in particular, but. Uh, after coming away from it, you know, it kind of opens your mind a little bit more to the possibility that, okay, yes, stuff like this could uh, be 
running around here and and just because it's hot doesn't mean a shaggy creature can't survive here um so keep uh uh keep the questions coming but um don't shut anything off just because you think it doesn't uh belong there uh that's the big takeaway for me and i'm and like derek i i think it'd be fun for people to get out there and enjoy this landscape and a beautiful park and just be careful because it is it, there's so many things that can get you not only the heat the snakes the scorpions uh the sand itself you know you have to have the right vehicle for some spots things like that you don't want to get stuck out there and and just be screwed so just be careful but but go have fun too <laughs> i love awesome. it i love it um well let's get a little behind the scenes uh, before we go here, guys, were there any uh, mishaps or or memorable moments while filming that stuck out to you? Is oh man, this I regret coming out here. Anything like that? I love getting kind of the, the horror stories that happen on sets like this. <laughs> oh man, I, I gotta say the heat was the number one factor, and yeah. we're gonna repeat ourselves a million times, but that's how important it was. I mean, you walk outside and it just hits you in the face, like. Yeah. Our air conditioner was running full blast in the Airbnb we were staying in, and it was, what, 83 degrees in there or something? Probably, yeah. It could not get any lower than that. And we were thankful <laughs> for 83 degrees. At yeah. night, we're outside shooting in the back area, and it's 110 degrees or something at, like, 10 o'clock at night. And we're just, you know, sweating in the dark. Um, so the, <laughs> the heat, the heat is really... That's, that's the behind-the-scenes memoir, by the way, sweating, sweating in the dark. In the, dark. <laughs> the making of... Shadows. The making of... The longest title in film history. Yeah, that'll uh, be in the bonus, the bonus right. content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, you know, for me, it was the heat. Um, some of the military stuff was a little spooky. Like when we got circled that one time by, I don't know if it was a Black Hawk or Apache. I, I don't know my helicopters, but I was a little concerned then. I was like, you know, like I said, we're the only ones out there. Obviously, they're interested in us. Why and <laughs> what are they going to do? Luckily, they flew off, but... Uh, yeah, for the most part, we wanted to shoot in the spring. We wanted to shoot in the fall, but it wasn't in the cards. And when the time came, everything fell together. It was June and July. July. So we're like, all right, let's go. So again, (laughs) I'm going to circle back to the heat. The heat was the worst part of the entire thing. Yeah, we got it. Besides, uh, uh, Derek just up chucking in, in one of the campground bathrooms, (laughs) uh, The the craziest stuff that happened, there wasn't too many, thankfully, I guess, but um, we we got uh, hit with a, a sudden downpour coming into there one time. We had to that jump nice. out and get the equipment out of the back of the truck and on the side of the road. and um, That was wild. That was unexpected. There was this wild um, dry thunderstorm that happened another time when we were coming back to home base. And the way it works is we were based in Borrego Springs, which there's a road that kind of curls down to get into it. And we were coming up here and just kind of came over the edge of the the mountainside there. And it was just this dark thundercloud over the valley and just lightning, no sound, no rain. It was the Mm. wildest thing. And we tried to get film of it, but we just, you know, the cameras weren't equipped to to pick up how amazing it looked. Um, and that was the same night that there was a wreck uh, where we were filming, too. Forgot about the wreck. Yeah. You should tell that oh, story, no. David. Well, we were, we were filming. Um, this was the night in Anza when we were talking to a lot of the, the folks out there who um, would come and, and watch for Goldie. 
Um, and we were just wrapping up our last interview and we hear this bang and like screaming. And we were like, what the hell? Uh, and just down the, the, the hill from the guy's house, we were doing this at, there was a, a, a head on collision in this curve in the road and everybody was alive, thankfully. But, um, there was definitely some, you know, uh, concussions and, and it was, it was not pretty to get down there. So that was, I won't go into any details about it, but that, that was something we dealt with one night that was like, what is going on? We, <laughs> we, we were the only people on scene up. for a good 20 minutes before yeah. it showed oh, up. So the whole crew was trying to help people and trying to get wow. vehicles, uh, you know, uh, turned off and it was smoke coming out of everything. And then, yeah, we won't go into details, but there were some injuries and people were acting kind of strange and it was, not not a good way to spend two hours of shoot time, but yeah. luckily everybody was fine. And uh, right. you know, thank God you guys were the, there. Well, yeah, I wow. I don't know if we helped them at all, but yeah, yeah. We'll see, but exciting. It was yeah. certainly exciting. They, again. These are the things that happen when you you try to have a plan and a schedule, and <laughs> all of a sudden there's a head-on collision. That's uh, yeah. that's a little scary. Um, ah, thanks for sharing that. Um, well, all right, guys. Uh, well, I've seen the film. I want all of our people seeing Anomicon to see the film. So obvious question, when eventually will we be able to uh, possibly see Shadows in the Desert? Well, we're actually doing a premiere event on the 17th of August in Idlewild, California. You mentioned earlier in the It in would the, have uh, happened here. Yeah, a couple weeks yeah. ago. We, we yeah, are all it would have been in the past in this party. It went out. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it was so much fun. Tom <laughs> Cruise showed up. It was Steven amazing. Steven Spielberg. Oh, it was man. Great. Steven Seagal. Of all well, yeah. What? Tell us a little about that screening. Um, I know it will have passed already, but that's so cool that you guys got a premiere. Um, tell us a little about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, we we chose Idlewild because it's sort of one of the points of the triangle. It's it's right up there where all the Bigfoot sightings are taking place. A oh, little mountain cool. town above Palm Springs. So we chose this tiny theater up there. They've been really good to us and you're getting everything set up. A lot of the stars of the film are coming to, to view the film with us and tons of fans are coming as well. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, we'll probably get some drinks afterwards and, you know, just kind of discuss spooky stuff and, and go from there. But uh, we're pretty excited to, to finally get it out in front of people. Like I said, it's been four years. So uh, it's been a long road and we're really pumped to get it in front of people. Yeah, and nice. and as of as of the filming of this, we are in the works to get it streaming, and that we are told should happen in the fall, uh, hopefully maybe October, but uh, we don't have an exact date. But Ryan can either let you know before this, <laughs> before you watch this, or right after. Yeah, hopefully. Can Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, if people want to stay updated with you guys on everything with the film and the work that you both do. Um, give us a, give it all to us guys, the socials, the websites, um, what you got coming up. Uh, Derek, let's start with you, man. Yeah. You can find monsters among us anywhere. You find podcasts. We release every Thursday. If you follow our social media accounts, just search for monsters among us. We'll keep you updated on all the stuff, uh, you know, pertaining to the film release dates, all that kind of thing. So, uh, you yeah, know, just, just follow me there. Awesome. Yeah. Dave, how about you, man? Same, same with me. I'll, I'll be posting about uh, when every, everything comes out. Um, and you'll probably, you, you have, I don't know, three or four places you could hear that from by now. <laughs> so whatever you're listening on, just search for uh, Blurry Photos, Hysteria 51, 
quiz quiz bang bang or five minute frights and um hopefully there'll be some uh information that's readily in your face at any of those sites the slacker awesome. only has four podcasts you believe that? only god <laughs> come on man Ugh. well guys again the film is shadows in the desert high strangeness in the Borrego triangle and i have with me again derek hayes and Dave Flora. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.